Hey, David. Hey, Graham. I got a joke for you. Wonderful. I'd love to hear a joke. What do you call it when a flower shop bursts into flames? A sun flower explosion? I don't know. A florist fire. (laughs) A florist fire. (laughs) I kind of like that one. Sad and hilarious. There's a florist next to the bookstore, like right across the parking lot. Yeah. um, we hope that never happens. That never happens. Yeah. And yet, I'm going to give that joke a six and a half. Oh, I wow. Like that I think that's pretty good. I don't think I can do that well. I'm just going to be honest, but I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. Okay, so, Graham. Yeah. How big was the shipwrecked Viking ship? How big was it? Yeah. Uh, fairly large. It was capsized. Capsized? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's that okay we haven't had one that's like so bad it's so good in a while and this is like it's riding the line between a zero and a (laughs) ten and i guess that means it's a five (laughs) okay i've got one for the parents that i don't know if the kids will all get but can i tell it to you Uh, please uh who was thor's favorite musician who mc hammer (laughs) because of the the big hammer yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what enough of the nonsense let's get on with the nonsense Welcome back to Withy Window, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and groan-worthy jokes featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show. It's an adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. And I'm Graham Pittman. And this is the seventh episode of the sixth season. It is episode 6.7. Yeah. Can't believe we're here. I, I can believe it. You can? Yeah. I, I, I just mean like... I, I drove here. I parked. I walked up the steps. I believe that I'm here right now. I mean, it, it, I, just to clarify, Are I, you be- experiencing I believe that I'm here. A medical thing? Like, can you believe that we've had this many Edward the seasons on the bottom oh, half? So you're it's like, a, you're amazed. I'm amazed. You're amazed I, it's, yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. I've always known we've had the skill and confidence and um, uh, uh, hilariousness uh, sure. to accomplish this. To, to record this podcast, this yeah. many episodes? We can do it. Um, we you, did it, that, and a, we will continue to do it. That's a kind way of thinking about it. Anyway, the, the guest on this week's episode is named Anna James. And she was delightful to chat with. And so you'll hear from her in a little bit. We also have snack time. We have a very special snack time because all snack times are special. And this one is no different. We also have crazy <laughs> words. We have a story. We got a riddle at the end. And in the meantime, we're just going to enjoy ourselves. How about that? It is a action-packed episode. Well, I don't know if it is. We haven't done it yet. We haven't yet. done it yet. Well, the conversation it with might, Anna James was kind of action-packed. Yeah, it might be action-packed. We, we it might be. You could let us know. Yeah, let us was know. Was this episode action-packed enough? <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we move on. Yes. Uh, we don't make this podcast by ourselves. We do not. That is true. We have a third member. There's the bookstore troll. Well, well no, no, not them. Oh, not oh, the troll oh, or the oh, pigeons. Okay. No. Uh, our illustrious editor, Logan. Helps us make this show. He makes everything sound better and adds in all the sound effects. And he's pretty much what makes the show fun. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and he just had a birthday. He did? He oh, did. yeah, he did. Yeah. He is 17. He is. Actually, I have no idea how old Logan is. Should we guess on the air? Uh, th- I think he's 30. He has a couple of children. Yeah, okay. So he's. I think, he's 30, I think he's 30. When you hang out with him, he seems wise. Maybe that's because he doesn't talk a lot. <laughs> I think he's between 25 and 35. That's a, so, so that seems fair. That seems fair. I think I'm going to get this right. It'd be pretty funny if he was like 51. 
this youthful 51. <laughs> but, okay, but uh, we, we just have to say, I mean, I'll, I'll admit it right now. We didn't get Logan anything for his birthday. So, listeners, you have to get him something for his birthday and 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 probably cash, like just money, and just mail it to the bookstore and we'll make sure. We'll sh- definitely We'll make sure it, yeah, it gets yeah. to Logan. You could mail um, him some snacks. You know, I wonder what Logan's favorite snacks are. Maybe we should ask him that sometime. Yeah, maybe we should. Um, all right, well, Logan... We do want to say thank you. Thank you for all the work you do on this podcast. Thank you for being such a swell guy. You're a really nice guy and you're a really great guy to hang out with and play pool with. Turns out Logan's really good at playing billiards. Yeah. Just a genuinely good guy who's also a genuinely good uh, audio engineer. And we are honored that he is part of the Withy Windle team. That so, was that was too sincere and too nice. Let's well, get out. Let's okay, move on. Let's move on. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of sincere and nice, I still need to tell the kids about this week's sponsor. So I'm going to have to be sincere again. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. I, w- I want you to imagine something, Graham. I just did. Okay. It was oh, a toaster. <laughs> but not like one of those ones that's like really dirty. Like one of the ones that has like four slots and is chrome, just like shiny. Oh, not one of those ones that when you put the bread into it and after like 10 seconds, everything smells like it's burning no. because there's something stuck I in the bottom of it. I am really good at imagining nice things. <laughs> <laughs> How? You've never even seen one. I've been I've been on on in the internet. <laughs> okay, you've watched TV. Yeah, actually, you probably have like the nicest toaster in the world. I, I don't even know. Do you we, have a toaster? We actually have Do a nice toasting? toaster. Okay. All right. Sometimes things just appear in my house that I didn't purchase, right. and I'm like, wow, that's nice. And then, right, like, who did you steal that from? <laughs> Where did this come from? Um, and Turns then Maddie no, beat a kid up down the road. Nobody answers me though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, we should probably actually talk about what I'm here to talk about. Uh, okay. I want you to, to, to think about the holidays. This is a very, it's a busy season in a great way, but it can be a lot, right? Yeah. Most of us have way too much on our plates before the holiday season even begins. And then December hits and we feel behind on, well, I guess everything, right? Everything. Yeah. So for homeschoolers, December should be the best month of the year. I mean, honestly, for everybody, it should be the best month of the year. But sometimes for homeschoolers, it can be extra crazy because moms are trying to do all the merrymaking and they're trying to do all the festivities and they're trying to make the house look, I don't know, festive. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they're already doing that on top of all the things that are already so full and busifying and all that kind of (laughs) stuff. So that is what... Christmas School by Read Aloud Revival is for. Okay, so Graham, I bet you're asking, what is Christmas School? Yeah, Were you I asking that? Okay. I was asking because it. Because it, it says right here. Okay. Okay, so it's an open and go, whole family curriculum for December, based on three of Tommy DePaola's beloved Christmas books. I mean, Tommy DePaola, incredible illustrator and children's book author, wrote so many just borderline genius children's books, and the kids who are listening will recognize them. The Christmas School Guide walks you through Read Aloud Revival's relaxed, bookish, book club model of learning to provide a rich and nourishing education for your kids, whether they're age four or they're age 18. And here's the best news, Graham. Would you like to hear the best news? Please. The Read Aloud Revival team has done all the prep work for you. Mm. Or 
or for your wife or for my wife or anybody who might want to use this. That's right. There's, there's literally zero prep on the part of the teacher or the parent. You just open the guide and you follow the plan. It has seasonal activities for the whole family, no matter the ages, as I said, which include literature, art, history, grammar, and more. So whether you are looking to replace your regular curriculum with something a little more seasonal, or you just want to supplement your existing plans to help your family focus on the reason for the season, there's something for everyone included in Read Aloud Revival's 90-page Christmas school guide. So, this Christmas school officially runs every year during Advent, and for 2023, it's going to run from December 3rd to December 24th, and the guide's going to be available November 17th. So this episode is going up on November 13th, which means that in four days, this guide will be available. You can pick and choose from the guide as you'd like, but it does include daily lesson plans to take you through the three weeks of Advent, and you can join for all three or jump in anytime you want. So here's what you do. Would you like to know, Graham, what you do to get this? I would love to know. Okay, great, because it says here too. It was I, my this is so much information. It was my number one question. Your number one question. Okay, well, I've got the answer to your number one question. You just go to readaloudrevival.com to register now. You get access to the Christmas school for only $39. Or if you are new to Read Aloud Revival, you can register for the Christmas school and the Read Aloud Revival premium quarterly for only $49 and lock in a limited time low rate. So you can join thousands of families and replace your current curriculum with a month of Christmas school to make December a different kind of month in your school year, a better one, a joyful one. So check out readaloudrevival.com to learn more about this or click that link down in the show notes. And as always, we are very grateful to Read Aloud Revival and Waxwing Books, their two partner companies that Sarah McKenzie started uh, for their sponsorship of this, this season and making the nonsense on this podcast possible. I don't know if they realized what they were getting into. I like this, like having all the prep work done for you. It's like you sit down at the table and somebody brings you a plate with a perfectly toasted piece of toast it is with like butter that. on it. And you didn't have to go through the trouble of getting the bread out and dealing with that little twisty thing, that twist tie. Oh, on, like, the, on the, the on loaf the, of bread? On the bag. Yeah. yeah, to get the bread out. And then you have to check the bread, make sure it's still good. And then you Can have I to ask you a question? put it in the toaster. And then you forget about it. And then it burns. It's like, it's already done. You've had some, you've had some experiences. I got some, I got some toast issues. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So what's We've your, all had toast what's issues. Your, <laughs> Don't talk about it like it's just my thing. No, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I've been trying to put the toast issues out of my head for years now. And here you are breaking them back. <laughs> Okay, so, so Graham, what do you like to toast? Raisin bread. Oh, I've had raisin bread in mm -hmm. a long time. Do you like English muffins? Yeah. Nooks yeah, and crannies yeah. and so forth? Yeah. Do you uh, like bagels? Do you toast bagels? Nah, not really. Uh, uh, an ego? Waffle? An ego waffle? What about leftover pancake? No. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, no, I didn't. Ooh. No. Uh, Pop-tart? What about a Pop small notebook? Small notebook. It's hard to get the notebook at like that right Crispiness. light brown. Yeah, that, that's Usually very true. it just immediately bursts into flames. So. Right, that's true. It's very difficult. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was actually thinking one day we should do a snack time where we rate toast jellies. <laughs> Jelly? Like, like jam. Like jams oh, that you put on. So we'd get like some bread or an English muffin or something and we'd get different jams and we'd try them. Like we do all strawberry or something. Yeah, yeah. But that are there does enough bring brands. Us... They've got to be enough oh, brands. Are you are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's just the general Smuckers and stuff. But then there's you go online. You can order them from Amazon. There's or or anywhere. Yeah, this is there's a... boutique jams. I know. In every 
I know. There's every... a difference in price though between doing a snack time of like buying two ninety nine root beers and fourteen ninety nine boutique jams. I know, but I'm looking for an excuse. So <laughs> Oh, I see. You're taking them all home after. I want to expense it. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. So okay, that brings us to snack time. And once again, thank you so much to Read Aloud Revival. Please go to readaloudrevival.com or click the link in the show notes to learn more about their Christmas school. Which I gotta say, this sounds like an incredible idea. It's just I mean, it might be the best idea I've heard since Sliced toast. toast. I was going to say, I was waiting. I was waiting for you. Dang it. <laughs> it's all right. Okay. Snack time. Now, Graham, last week we ranked root beers. Got a lot of feedback on that. Did we? Yeah. Okay. Give me some feedback on the feedback. Here's something. Okay. Would you like to rank the feedback that we got? No. no. Um, we got emails in. Okay. Um, we got post, public posts on our Substack, which is withywindle.substack.com. Yep. Um, some people mentioned 19... 16 repeat no what is it 1919 1919 yeah which um, i love i think i mentioned that that's that's not available outside of the midwest i don't and think. then somebody mentioned the aldi brand which is called summit okay that they really liked and then should have gone to aldi i guess our friend uh andrew mckay who works with um sd smith in their publishing yeah. wing yeah 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 he emailed and said take a look at this is it is it root beer with sd smith's face on it no, no. he sent me a link to an article that was discussing the differences between um, Canadian A&W and American. What? And they're very oh, different. he's Canadian, right? Yeah. And apparently A&W is pretty hallowed root beer in Canada, and it's made with cane sugar in Canada, and it's much better. So he just wanted to bring that to our attention, that maybe, we put, we, it, maybe we put it low on our list, but we were drinking American yeah, A&W. right, right. That makes so. sense. I think, I think that was worth a shot. I shout mean, if out. we were introducing true, like, you know, um, international, ele- you know, we were able to actually source easily international foods, yeah. these rankings would change. I mean, when we do, we go to world markets sometimes. What, what do you today, think? Well, what do you think the, the best, what, what, what country do you think makes the best root beer? Like, yeah, obviously you don't know, but if you were just guessing. Probably like. I was thinking like the Black Forest. Yeah, because it's probably like, like Germany. Yeah, or, or it has like yeah. some kegs. And, and honestly, all those Midwestern people that that like specialized in root beer in like 1919, they probably were German anyway. Yeah. So. Well, I've got a hot take for you. What? I think it's America. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, it's shoot. I think it's New York City with Boylan's. Hey, speaking of German, this week's uh, snack time is going to rank. A, a food group that the Canadians are not as uh, influential in as the Germans are, oh. without doubt. And oh. that is Graham. So it's not syrups. It's not. It's not. <laughs> well, there are some. There are some syrups in these foods. <laughs> <laughs> it, these are. It is the official supermarket available gummy candy ranking. Oh my goodness! Okay. So I have a variety of gummy candy. I can't believe we haven't done this before because you and I are both big gummy candy fans, fiends yeah. almost. You it's said you we you said we were going to do this, and then I saw you had that big bag, and I intentionally didn't try to look through the opaque plastic to see what was in there. To see so what was in there. Okay, I'm curious. Okay, so I've got a number of varieties here. This shouldn't take as long as the root beer one did, but um, okay. So are there any like? parameters that you had like so are they all I, bears are they like i said okay i did everything has to be no sours okay the primary brand so you can't do like wild berry lifesaver gummies or whatever oh those are good though. i know so i tried to just stick with the generals okay i did bears not um worms worms okay just because we're doing because the, the, it's easier just to have to decide right and then everything i wanted to be red mostly available or close to available in most supermarkets as far as we know right yeah 
So, but and that means bears, oh, not sharks. Okay, I may have I may have bought some sharks. There for might you. be some aquatic. I, I may have added those in. All right. I have some special some 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 surprise ones at the end. So I've got five, and and then technically they're not. I just didn't do worms. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Okay. So what no I have worms, here is no sours. I went to Food Lion, which is a grocery store down here. Yeah. So I got the the store brand gummy bears. So that's just a store brand. They're probably going to be the same almost everywhere, right? You know, Food Lion's missing out on an opportunity here. Gummy Lions. Gummy Lions. Yeah, I know. I thought about this. That's okay. our idea. Then I've got Black Forest, made with real fruit juice, gummy bears. Okay. Had them. Albanese gummy bears. I know it's something you like. Now, this is not a bear, but it's essentially, it's a classic gummy candy. Lifesavers gummy, gummy candy. Yeah. So five, the five flavors. It can be classic now. It's over 20 years since they've introduced that, I That's think. That's true. Yeah. Haribo. This yeah. is where the Germans really come in. Although Albanese, I believe, is German as well. And then I've got some surprise things at the end. So first, I want to rank these five essential gummy products, and then we'll introduce some of the, the wild cards to it and see where they stand. So let's do, which one do you want to do first? The one you're holding. Okay. So I'm, I'm holding the Lifesaver gummies. Now, should we do like two flavors of each yeah, let's or what? Do, let's talk about, let's just, I'm just going to hand you a few and you just say what you have. And then the question is whether we need to do this. Is it an individual one or is it just the general brand of gummy? I think we should just do general brand. Cause if you start thinking about, well, I like the green, the dark green over the light green or the yellow or whatever. Okay. Here's a weird thing. Uh, yeah. Something I've always appreciated about Lifesaver gummies. Yep. Most gummy bear, like the, the gummy candy usually doesn't have a big scent right. to it. Right. You just smell these. And you know what they are. There's like, they're so strong smelling. Okay. And I really like that. Okay. Sure. I'm going to have a red one. So how, so do we do that? We're just going to, just the brand, right? Like kind of a, all the flavors combined into one ranking. Sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. I'm having a pink one. I'm having a pink one next. Now this bag. Okay. I think that. Um, oh, going for green. Sour green apple is one of my favorites in this one. Okay, so these are very chewy. Yeah. And the scent, as you said, does really add to it. That's an important part They're of it. They really, yeah. They smell. Okay. Um, I would say, well. The, the flavors are a little, they're like intense flavors. Yeah. They linger. I like the fact that they have a slightly different texture, and I don't really know how to describe it, but it's like... They're, they're not as they're not as like glossy as yeah, a lot of them, and they're true. like they have a different feel to them. I like them. Yeah. I've never like, and they have a hole in the middle. It's like a lifesaver. So you know. I I like the wild berry ones more, but I'm 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 usually not like thr uh, like going out of my way to get these. I think they're good. You know what I don't like is the sour ones. Oh, I don't think I've had yeah, the sour, like sour gummy. Yeah, I don't. I like sour gummies, and I, I'll you know there's a whole. That's a whole separate category that was like... Uh, it if we do a ranking like that, it's going to be very hard for me. I'm going to be like crying. Like sour is very... Oh, you don't like sour yet. Okay, yeah, so these are the Food Lion, the supermarket brand gummies here. They Food just Lion gummies. Nondescript green, you know, green bag. Okay. So Okay. First off the bat, let's they, go visual. Yep. These bears look deformed. <laughs> they do. So this is the, probably the cheapest of everything, and it shows. <laughs> the mold isn't very good. They look... Um, they look sad. Let's just say they that. They do. They look very sad. They but, look like they're trying to look like Haribos, but they really just look like some kind of like stone figurine you'd have in your yard. They're, they look harder to chew. They're harder to chew. You're working your for this one. Your jaws are doing some work. You're saving money, but you have to work. The flavor is a little, 
it's just sort of like neutral flavor. It's not, you know, there's, you can really tell they put some thought into lifesaver gummies. These are like, yeah, they're just kind of like baseline. Eh. Um, I have a feeling this, these are going to be near the bottom. They're not bad. No, I mean, I would not eat them if that was all there was. Yeah. And for 99 cents or 75 cents or whatever. Okay, so you have the Lifesaver gummies ahead of us? Yes. What about you? Me too. Yeah. Okay, let's do the Black Forest uh, made with real fruit juice, real juicy, real good uh, gummy bears. In the green bag. In the green bag. And they have trees and stuff on them, so obviously these ones are like healthy for you. That's right. It's about as healthy as eating a tree. (laughs) That's right. Oh, these bears look happy. Yeah, they look jolly. They've Their got, arms are spread out like they've been, they're dancing in a yard ready a, to get eaten. They have facial expressions. They have and a little... The bag, they're climbing on each other like little baby bears. They have trees embossed on their stomachs. You know what? I don't feel great about these ones. The other ones, they look like gummy bears. These look like baby bears. These look like, yeah. And that makes me not feel great about it. Now, these, the texture is definitely different. The texture on these is, for me, is a lot like a fruit snack. Yep. I don't really taste the fruit juice, but they say that there's fruit juice in there. Um, Not doing much for me. Yeah, they're fine. They're they're like over the lifesaver gummies or no for you? Mm-mm. Same. I have them, but but ahead of yeah. food line brand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they're second. Okay. So not much more to say about those. Yeah, they're they're fine. It's because they tried to make you think that they're healthy. We're gonna you, eat them. You want to do Albanese or Haribo's next? Let's go Albanese. All right, Albanese. Albanese, it is. You better look on the back to see where they're actually from. These are. From, I feel like they're like from Connecticut or something, or maybe that's just where they're well, made they're, in America. They're pro. They're pro. I mean, they say that they're the world's best gummies. It says they're made in the USA. Hmm. Okay. Now these have a good scent too. When I open the bag, oh, it smells like this specific gummy bear. Um. The Albanese is really... They're bigger. I feel like they're unique because they offer like 16 flavors in their bags That's instead right. of like five. I'm going for a red. They're the, they're almost as big as a Lifesaver ring. A lot of them are like more translucent. Yeah, they have... These are so much. These are the best so far. They're soft. They're the right texture where you're still... You still have to chew them, right? They're still a gummy candy, but unlike the ones from Food Lion, if you only had gums, you'd be able to gum them. <laughs> <laughs> and they have, the bears are holding an A. I've never noticed that um, on the actual gummy bear. Yeah, they don't look like little baby bears that that you're going to. These ones look like happy that you're eating them. Right. These like... ones are joyful bears. These are excellent. So I would rank these. I have these ahead of Lifesavers. Do you? Yeah. Okay. That is, those are Fantastic. So right now we've got Albany's one, Lifesavers two, Black Forest three, and then store brand uh, four. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to do the Haribos. This is it. For, Classic for me, standard. My grandparents, my grandma was German. My grandparents used to go over there sometime and they'd bring back bags of these and you couldn't get them as easily in America. And now I will say true Haribo gummy bears you can get in Europe are even better than the ones you can just get in a general store here. So Haribo's a great brand because they make so many different gummy things. like And licorice things. Yeah, there's like dozens. All right, these are smaller. Yep. And they're harder than the Albanese yep. that we just yep. had. 
Yeah, I do take a little more work. This must be really gross to listen to, honestly, because we're really chewing aggressively on these gummies. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, the flavor is way better than it's. It's subtle. The Black Forest and. So, would you put them above the Albanese? The Albanese are juicy, and the, they're soft, and they taste so fresh. Haribo takes a little bit of work to get through, but it's like a work I'm used to and I like. Yeah, <laughs> like not it's familiar. Not all the work is bad. Um, this is, here's the thing. This is what I think of when I think of a gummy bear. Yeah, but man, the Albanese are good. I I think the Albanese is is my number one. Okay, I'm okay with that. I and think they're like the premium. Like they're really like investing a lot into the into the gummy game. It sure seems like it, and they're doing well. Okay, speaking of investing into the gummy game, two major candy companies have introduced gummies to the market recently. Okay. Starburst Airs and what? Skittle Gummies. Okay, I've had the Skittle ones. They're yeah. like little hockey puck shaped. Yeah, like giant Skittle shaped, right? Yeah. What's the Starburst? They're soft and squishy. They're called Airs. They look like giant unwrapped. Okay. This these, is awesome. These are the most... This is so bizarre to me. Here. I'm tossing them across. Whoa. The Here's an orange one, too. I gave them a pink and an orange one. So, in theory, they're supposed to be the same as what you had before. Now, they're a little... The texture's a little chalky. They're like the size of a big Starburst. And they are. They're soft and squishy. Um, and I don't care for them. I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> These... Who wanted these? The only thing that I would put them ahead of is the store brand, just because the store brand is hard to chew. They're weird. Who? What? Who is this for? I don't know. Not don't people like who like Starburst. I'm against them. I don't like the idea that they exist. I'm frustrated with the Starburst company. What is this? This is like is owned by Mars. <laughs> <laughs> the planet? <laughs> no, Mars Bars Company. You know, Mars mm. Wrigley. I have. Ah, uh, I, I. They're not good. I don't I, understand. I can't even describe this. It, what the? It doesn't make sense. I'm confused. People who like Starburst would be mad if they bought this, and then I don't know who else would buy it though. Yeah, let's put that at okay, the bottom. So the next thing at the bottom below, even the store brand. Yeah, one? I'm not okay. eating these. All right, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Okay, so now we have Skittles gummies, which they're like big Skittles but made into gummies. And remember gushers? They look, kind of look like they a look. Gusher. They do. They look like gushers, but they don't have gush inside them. <laughs> no gush. Uh, now I'll tell you, I'm a big fan of these. They're like like Skittles. You pop them in your mouth. You eat a bunch of them. Some flavors are better than others, just like Skittles. But for me, I put these above Lifesaver gummies. They're third for me. Hmm. I put them below, but right next to it. They're not Haribo. They're not Albanese. But they're pretty good. And the bag is very large. They're good. These are good. They're easier to eat than Skittles, but the same flavor. Yeah. But it's it. they're not blowing my, knocking my socks off, which is interesting. Because me, you think with the giant, the giants of the candy world, you've got Skittles and Starburst going into the gummy game. 
You'd but think they'd like destroy everybody. The problem is those the brands, those, those candies are perfect, perfect because of the flavor texture combo. And so they're messing with it. They're messing with it. Now, but that, that's a good the attempt. Skittles ones are way better than the Starburst ones. Yeah. That's not even a competition. All right, I got one more thing here. Now, this is something that I got just for you. Blue Sharks. This is one of those things that every store brand just has. Yeah. So. This is Food Lion Blue Sharks. I've never even had, like, good Blue Sharks, I don't think. Okay, so where are we on this? We got Albanese, Haribo, Lifesavers, Skittles. Well, or Skittles Lifesavers. Store brand, Starburst, Nasties. I'm, so, I'm going to be mad about that for a long time. I, I was very sad. It's just like, way to ruin a good oh, we got to give those to our kids and watch their face just fall. Now, my daughter Lydia would still just like it. Oh, yeah. She'd be like, I'm, 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 I'm. Okay. Now, this is a shark. It's a gummy. It's blue on top. White on the bottom. White on the bottom. The bottom whiteness. Like this is a gummy, um, what would you call it, category that I love. It's when you have like a gummy bear texture on the top of a candy and oh, then a yeah, yeah. strange, oh, I love these too. thicker white gummy texture on the yeah. bottom. Like a wax, almost like waxiness. And I think these are raspberry flavored, even though they're blue. Like blue raspberry. Which is. This is my, <laughs> this is my favorite, one of my favorite candies. I like it fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the texture. I love the color. I love the flavor. So, Haribo makes a thing. That has this texture on the, the bottom. Frog. The frogs. Yeah. I love those. Me too. Those might be my favorite of all gummy candies, but they weren't a bear and they weren't, you know, they're not easily accessible. So, um, where does this go for you on this list? Number one. This is my favorite. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I would eat that whole more bag. Than, here. I don't want to eat the whole More than Albanese? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. See, for me, it's like. I just Albanese, love these. Haribo. Skittles, Lifesavers, Black Forest, then these. No, that's wrong. That's objectively wrong. <laughs> There's been councils called, the gummy council was called, and they <laughs> said this is a top two gummy candy. I think you're just in the bag for Big Shark. It's not Big Shark because you find them in store brand 99 cent bags. Yeah, but like, like these probably weren't popular till Shark Week. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I think I might be the only one keeping them their their <laughs> margins good. I I, I uh, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that they're not. Um, they're just odd. They taste like they look, and I'm not necessarily complaining. I'm just comparing it to some of the best candies in the market. Agree to disagree. I I'm pretty sure Albany's gummy bears and Haribo gummy bears are a higher quality candy. Than this shark that I'm holding right now. Yes. But I want to eat this more than those. That's fair. That's fair. Now, what if I But I also shark, like circus peanuts. So. Yeah. I'm going to take this shark. <laughs> I'm going to stick it through the hole in a lifesaver and then make one of these gummy bears ride it. What? And then eat that. Uh, but it's going to take me about 10 minutes to make that happen. So we're going to take a quick, quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about crazy words. We are back, and it is time for Crazy Words. My stomach hurts. <laughs> was it the blue? It was all the blue. <laughs> it's all the blue. 
that shark's just swimming around in your in your guts. And you know what? The great thing is. Now you have to figure out where crazy word came from with a stomachache. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay, so this week's word is drum roll, please. No, I mean like you need to. Oh do me, Molly Coddle. Sorry, Molly Coddle. That was maybe a bit loud. Molly Coddle. Molly Coddle. Yep. M O L L Y C O D D L E. Oh, I know this one. This is where a group of uh, people go to a fair in Ireland in the uh, 1100s. And they all eat coddled cream together. You know, close. Um, close is um an interesting <laughs> word. <laughs> That's not not how correct. many. Di- what's the distance in sharks away? How far away was that? Well, what's a lot? <laughs> <laughs> a thousand sharks. Okay, um, nine hundred. I don't know what this word means. Okay, let's talk about I know what the word from. coddle means. This sounds like a compound word. Maybe it's not, but if you're coddling somebody, you're like protecting them, but like in a way that's maybe like they don't actually need the protection. Like you're overprotective. Right. So the um, idea is like you coddle eggs. Yeah. Uh, cooking them slowly and gently. Uh, Molly. So Molly coddling. coddling, I'll just, we'll get back to coddling. Coddling is a word that has to do with being extra careful because you would coddle eggs. And so they believe that the notion of coddling something like being, uh, tr- treating with excessive care or kindness comes from the idea of coddling eggs. Yes. Okay. So you got and that. And that coddle is, that's the coddle in Molly coddle. That's the same one. Yep. So Molly, Molly, that's a, it's a, a girl's name. Uh, what else would it? Uh, what else was it? Okay. Now, Molly. do you know what Molly? The name Molly, where that originally came from? Don't. But I know a lot of sheep are named Molly. Does it have to do with sheep? Probably. <laughs> so, is this word about coddling a specific thing? Um, not a specific thing. Oh, a way of coddling, a, or a degree of coddling? It. I mean, you really need to f- focus more on. The, the notion, I mean, coddling is kind of related to the whole definition. Oh, um, I don't know. Taking care of your sheep pen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have no clue. So molly coddle is to treat with an excessive or absurd degree of indulgence and attention. Oh, so it's, it is like coddle. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So molly, though, is actually a nickname. And can you guess what molly was a nickname for? Like what? Sheep. <laughs> what name... Would people turn to Oh, turn Molly. into you Molly. You know, like people would call John Jack. Got it. Or Molly um, uh, Mary? Yeah. Mary? So Molly okay. was a nickname uh, for, for Mary in the mid-1700s uh, and the 1800s. And the earliest known use of, uh, of the word Molly Coddle, at least as a noun, comes from the mid-1800s. And they would call someone who was a wimp a Molly Coddle. Uh, so there's a verb version of it where it's to treat with excessive or absurd degree of indulgence and attention, such as maybe when you're sick, you might get molly coddled by your wife. Yes. Maybe you're not really sick, but you pretend you're sick or you're just, you seem uh, sick. Yeah. But then also if your uh, friend is being a wimp, you can call him a molly coddle. So uh, this is a, uh, okay. This, uh, this is a word you could call somebody. So the coach has been molly coddling the star teams, the team's star players is what Webster's dictionary uses as a sentence. 
Hey, I wasn't I wasn't too far off. This is a good one. This is um I feel like this is where people still use. I, I, you don't hear very much, but from the 1800s. You know, I was Let's talking to someone back. today about how great the word blunder is. Blunder? She says she said to me, "I wish people would say the they refer to what to a mistake they made as a blunder and not say my bad." Oh, she's 100% right. And I agree with that. Yeah. So, two words to remember to use. Blunder when you make a mistake and uh molly coddle. Yeah. When someone's a whip. And figure out a way to use them both in the same sentence. So right, you get exactly. a gold star. When you when your child makes a blunder, don't mollycoddle them. That's right. So give them some good correction and encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, a, and a slap on the back. Wait, is that... Mo- I'm confused about what we're supposed to be doing now. That's like relation. an encouraging slap. I usually talk about sports and that. Yeah, right. That's where, yeah. Okay, got it. Okay. All right. Well, that's the end of uh, Crazy Words for this uh, for this episode. And we're going to do story time now. So we're just going to take a, a quick break and uh, we'll, be, we'll be right back. All right, we are back and it is time for story time. And this week, it is my turn to read a story. So, Graham, are you ready for this story by Hans Christian Andersen called The Pen and the Inkstand? Uh, yeah. I'm very curious to know what the sound effects are going to be. I know you have a stomachache, so <laughs> Graham's just going to lie back on the couch and listen as I read. The Pen and the Inkstand by Hans Christian Andersen. It is a Danish-Nordic-Scandinavian fairy tale, according to this book. All right, here we go. Fire away. Action-packed. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you the word that you, that you just said action packed and then this is going to be the first phrase of the story in a poet's room <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yep. In a poet's room, there was a knife fight <laughs> where his inkstand stood on the table. The remark was once made, it is wonderful what can be brought out of an inkstand. What will come next? It is indeed wonderful. Yes. That, okay. That is a that is the mentality that not many writers I know have. That is a very healthy mentality to have with your um most people aren't staring at their computer pen. computer yeah. going, What will come next? It is indeed wonderful. Isn't this just wonderful? Yeah. They're not yeah. Anything this poet isn't pulling his hair out, basically. He's in a good place. Well, at least right now. Mm. Yes, certainly, said the inkstand to the pen and to the other articles that stood on the table. That's what I always say. It's wonderful and extraordinary what a number of things come out of me. It's quite incredible, and I really never know what is coming next when that man dips his pen into me. One drop out of me is enough for half a page of paper, and what cannot half a page contain? From me, all the works of the poet are produced. All those imaginary characters whom people fancy they have known or met. All the the deep feeling, the humor, and the vivid pictures of nature. I myself don't understand how it is, for I am not acquainted with nature, but it is certainly in me. From me have gone forth to the world those wonderful descriptions of charming maidens and of brave knights on prancing steeds, of the halt and the blind... And I know not what more, for I assure you, I never think of these things. There you are right, said the pen, for you don't think at all. If you did, you would see that you can only provide the means. You give the fluid that I may place upon the paper that what dwells in me and what I wish to bring to light. It is the pen that writes. No man doubts that. And indeed, most people understand as much about poetry as an old inkstand. (laughs) 
Turns out that maybe there is going to be some action in this story. <laughs> you have had very little experience, replied the inkstand. You have hardly been in service a week and are already half worn out. Do you imagine you're a poet? You're only a servant. And before you came, I had many like you. Some of the Goose family and others of English manufacture. I know a quill pen as well as I know a steel one. I've had both sorts in my service, and I shall have many more as long as he comes, the man who performs the mechanical part, and writes down what he obtains from me. I should like to know what will be the next thing he gets out of me. Ink pot, retorted the pen contemptuously. Late in the evening, the poet returned home from a concert, where he had been quite enchanted by the admirable performance of a famous violin player. The player had produced from his instrument a richness of tone that sometimes sounded like tinkling water drops or rolling pearls. I'm just going to pause here for a sound effect moment. Sometimes like the birds twittering in chorus. And then again, rising and swelling like the wind through the fir trees. The poet felt as if his own heart were weeping, but in tones of melody like the sound of a woman's voice. I was going to ask Logan for a sound effect there, but I'm not exactly sure how to have a heart weeping in the tones of a woman's voice. Anyway, these sounds seemed to come not only from the strings, but from every part of the instrument. It was a wonderful performance and a difficult piece, and yet the bow seemed to glide across the strings so easily that one would think anyone could do it. The violin and the bow seemed independent of their master who guided them. It was as if soul and spirit had been breathed into the instrument, and the audience forgot the performer and the beautiful sounds he produced. Hey, how's your stomach? I'm, it's doing well. This is helping. Okay. All this right, is good. nice. Good. Okay. I like this poet's reflection on the music he was listening to. Yeah, it's very nice. Not so the poet. He remembered him and wrote down his thoughts on the subject. So this is what the poet then wrote. How foolish it would be for the violin and the bow to boast of their performance, and yet we men often commit that folly. The poet, the artist, the man of science in his laboratory, or perhaps I should say in his laboratory, the general, <laughs> we all do it, and yet we are only the instruments which the Almighty uses. To him alone the honor is due. We have nothing in ourselves of which we should be proud. Yes, this is what the poet wrote. He wrote it in the form of a parable and called it The Master and the Instruments. Oh, no. That is what you get, madam, said the pen to the inkstand when the two were alone again. Did you hear him read aloud what I had written down? Yes, what I gave you to write, retorted the inkstand. That was a cut at you because of your conceit. To think that you could not understand that you were being quizzed. I gave you a cut from within me. Surely I must know my own satire. Ink pitcher, cried the pen. <laughs> writing stick retorted the inkstand and each of them felt satisfied that he had given a good answer it is pleasing to be convinced that you have settled a matter by your reply it is something to make you sleep well and they both slept well over it but the poet didn't sleep thoughts rose within him like the tones of the violin falling like pearls or rushing like the strong wind through the forest he understood his own heart in these thoughts they were as a ray from the mind of the great master of all minds the end.
That was really pleasant. It's a short one. I like that. But I like the idea of an ink pet- of a pen yelling ink pitcher at a pen, and then uh, an ink stand yelling writing stick. Writing stick. Yeah, and then they both go to sleep feeling like they won the argument just by yelling at each other. I like the the, the how this one has inanimate objects, and I like how this one didn't really leave the room. Like it's just like a just in that little room. Kind of a yeah. Small. Normally tale. they're about people wandering through woods and being attacked by animals. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that was good. I just thought of something, you know, try something a little bit different. I'm happy to have heard that because I haven't heard that one. All right. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to introduce you to this week's guest, Anna James. So um, Graham's going to just take a quick nap, recover from his stomachache, you know, that was brought on by Blue Sharks. And then uh, we'll introduce you to that very special guest. Okay, we are back, and we are going to introduce you to uh, to Anna James, our very special guest. But uh, Graham, how's your stomach? Uh, much better, like okay. completely better. I think oh. that story healed it. Okay, you know, I think it's good enough now that I think I'm going to eat some of these gummy sharks. Do it, and there's also some other gummies over there that are not um, that are better. So you can try those. Uh, okay, so uh, this week's guest is Anna James. She is a British writer and journalist who lives in North London, but she grew up in a place called Northumberland. Uh, which sounds like an amazing, magical place to, to be, and I'd like to, to go there one day. She's had a number of different bookish jobs, including working as a school librarian, a literary scout, a journalist, and of course now as an author. She's the author of the Pages & Co. series, which includes books like The Book Wanderers, The Lost Fairy Tales, The Map of Stories, The Book Smugglers, and The Treehouse Library, and another one that is out now in the UK and is coming out in the winter, uh, early in 2024, here in the United States. We had a great time chatting with her and she was just a lot of fun. Really seemed uh, to be enjoying what we do here on Withy Windle, which is always a good time when people seem to be into it. So, and, and she, she seemed to really um, be into your quiz. I, I got to say. Yeah. that I, I mean, and she, well, well, I won't say how yeah, she don't did. Don't say, don't spoil it. I won't it. say how she did. All right. You know what? Since you're, you know, chomping at the bit, we're going to go ahead and just get it over to the conversation so the kids can find out for themselves before you can spoil it for them. So here's our conversation with Anna James. All right, we are here with Anna James. We are thrilled to have you, Anna. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me on. We've had so many requests for you to come on the show. Like kids will come into the bookstore that we own here and they'll say, can you have Anna James on? Can you have Anna James on? So we figured, you know, we got to do it. We got to give the kids. That is one, really, so. really lovely to hear. Thank you. <laughs> All the way across the pond, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm in London specifically. And I'm sure we'll have some plenty of time to talk about that. I feel like there are some questions in here that might have to do with your being English. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Americans are uh, very interested in the English, it turns out. Um, so uh, we always begin with what we say is the most important question. Uh, that you'll ever get on any podcast. And you you have to judge whether that's actually true. But we've been asking it since the beginning of this show. Anna, Cheetos or Doritos? Well, you know, you're straight in with a very like American flavored question. I, I know, I know. It's it's a problem. <laughs> we don't really have Cheetos, as in like, I'm aware of Cheetos, but we don't right. really have, we have something called Watsits, which I believe are very similar, like cheesy puff, like puffed cheesy crisps. And right? they get everywhere. A yeah. little like cheese dust. Yeah. Yeah. So we have what's it. Um okay. I'm not sure I've ever eaten a Cheeto, but if I am thinking of them as what's it, I mm. would still have Doritos. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, so you have Doritos in England. 
Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I was in England in May. And when I was there, when, we have we have like this whole snack time segment on this podcast. Amazing. And when I was there, I bought a whole bunch of English snacks and packed them in a suitcase and brought them home so we could try <laughs> English candy and things like that. And I have to say, I did actually look for Cheetos there once and I didn't find them. Yeah, so, I feel like I have, you, you know, if you're in like the center of London that we have like American candy and mm-hmm. snack shops, I'm sure oh, you could sure. Yeah, procure yeah, yeah. them if you wanted to, but they're certainly not like in a regular shop. And when you're in England, why are you looking for American snacks anyway? I mean, so I, I know plenty of people who are completely addicted to Cheetos that would search those out. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I feel like we have a real cultural awareness of Cheetos, though, because obviously, like we absorb a lot of American oh pop sure culture, yeah like films and books and things. So I feel yeah, like yeah. most people are quite like we know what a Cheeto is. Right. Culturally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. We've got a couple more food-related questions that have come in. Kids are very interested in what their favorite authors eat and drink, apparently. Yeah, and I love to eat, so <laughs> well, great. Perfect. Okay, so are you a cake or a cookies fan, primarily? Oh, that's a good question. I have a sweet tooth, so both. I am mm. particular about both. Uh, I okay. also bake, so I'm quite I'm particular ah. about baked goods. So the answer is cookies, but only if it's a chewy cookie. I okay. can't be doing like a crunchy biscuity. Like if it's crunchy, it's a biscuit. It's not a cookie. But like a chewy cookie, right. yeah. I'd go for that. Yeah. I was going to say, we may need to define some terms here. Because in America, right. a biscuit is basically what you eat. is like a scone oh, for you all. Yes, you have biscuits, but then you eat them with the gravy. But then your gravy isn't even the same it's as ours. not, gravy. right. Exactly. <laughs> and we eat biscuits with just jam on it, but not with like, clotted cream in a scone fashion high tea version biscuit is a broader term here like biscuit is a category of there's lots of different types of biscuits but biscuit is you know like any kind of crunchy like a di uh, like a chocolate digestive yeah i I don't know what your biscuits are (laughs) (laughs) do you know what i never feel more british than when i'm saying things like hobnob or like (laughs) A custard cream. It sounds like made up food. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, have... no, our, yeah, your biscuits are like our scones. Biscuit is like a category. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I immediately threw it off by bringing biscuits into no. it. I should just, a chewy cookie is my <laughs> like one of my like optimum dessert options. Okay, so chips though are crisps, right? Well, what we would call a potato chip is like a crisp for you, right? Yes, we call them crisps, and so are, chips w- are fries. Right, right. So would a Cheeto fall under the crisps category, or is it a yes. whole different thing? Okay, no, Cheetos, Doritos, all under the crisp category here. Okay, okay, Graham. Before we we let her talk about. Uh, her latest book. We got to ask this one question here. Clearly, somebody, you know, there's a there's a child here who had to know. What are some of your favorite British candies, Anna? Oh, okay. Or sweets um, in general. I am, um, you know, it's always the way on the spot, isn't it? When you ask for favorites, you suddenly right, just can't like a single thing <laughs> you eat. I eat bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> chocolate. Um, although having said that, chocolate, we... Okay, I know this is a bold statement. I do feel like our chocolate is better. Like Cadbury's is superior to Hershey's by like, they're almost different foodstuffs. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, you're not, I think most people even stateside agree with this. Okay, Uh, it's not a hot take. Controversial or not. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Um, So I do like, uh, I do eat a lot of just 
chocolate uh candy wise oh well here's a question because here if we said candy we would it, that would exclude chocolate that would be like sweets like right okay sugar based things not like chocolatey things yeah so like hard <laughs> so, candies and things like that yeah do you have jelly babies we, we have jelly beans mm. no uh, jelly are they like gummy candies they're like jelly <laughs> they're oh like, okay they're like little people sounds like macabre like yeah that no, sounds great <laughs> made out of like jelly like jello like covered in oh, okay. like sugar oh we have sounds great um, <laughs> they're adjacent they're... to jelly beans but they're they're a different thing okay so there's jelly babies that are like sour and um they're very much like our sour patch kids so they're not okay. like they they're not i like oh i really like sour patch kids um i do like those <laughs> uh, Jelly babies are more akin to a jelly bean than a sour patch kid. Okay. <laughs> Squishier. Okay. They're like, they're like, they're the size of, like, <laughs> they're quite, they're like, I'm doing, I'm gesturing my hands on an audio. Yeah, yeah, I know, uh, yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know what? You should just, people should just Google them. Jelly yeah, yeah. babies. So like, when I was in- jelly babies, they're really hard. I, but those are my favorite. David, so how, we have to get our hands on some of these. We do. We got to order some online and then we got to eat them on snack time on the show. Right. So yeah. are wine gums like super popular? <laughs> um, I, went there, I would say that wine gums are seen as quite like a retro snack. Um, ah, okay. Interesting. Like grandparents okay. would often have wine gums. My okay. husband loves wine gums, but okay. that is, I would say an anomaly. They okay. are not like a youthful snack <laughs> okay okay interesting so like uh what's the what would that be here graham uh like were those originals Car- some kind of caramel yeah. hard candy or something okay oh yeah were this you know what they're like they're like the general they're not quite as traditional feeling as were those but they're in that remit okay well, that's good to it, know. Do you know what? I feel very, I'm under pressure. I feel like I'm speaking for like all British people. Yeah, all... It's just my perspective. Maybe it's just that my grandparents had a lot of wine gums and <laughs> other people don't. And the the, the young people of Britain are eating wine gums by no, the bag. No, for the record, anything you say or do on the rest of this show is officially, is the official word of the entire United Kingdom. So, Oh my goodness, yeah. great. Don't get me started then because <laughs> right. I might use that power. <laughs> okay, all right. Graham, what should we do next? Well, these things are also like... Um, uh, uh, you know, they they come full circle. So eventually, wine gums are going to be cool, and they're going to be hip <laughs> yeah, again. Right. They are but, good. Yeah. I do like them. They're just not top tier for me. Yeah, Got it. Okay. but if somebody listens to this podcast in 2040, they're going to be like, "Oh, this is this is current." This yeah, is- <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So Anna, we're gonna we're gonna pivot away from food and let you talk a talk a little bit about uh, your work. So as uh, David said, initially, a lot of kids have been asking to have you on. A lot of the kids who are listening know who you are and know what you do. Um, But we want to give you the opportunity uh, to maybe talk about your book series and maybe uh, your newest book, specifically uh, Pages & Co., The Last Book Wanderer. Awesome. Thank you. Well, first of all, just thank you and hello to those uh people who have read the books and have requested me it's really (laughs) nice to know that on the other side of the ocean there's people (laughs) reading pages and co thank you um yeah so my name's anna james uh i am as much discussed a british writer um although yes so i again we're getting into british but i'm actually uh i am british but i am technically half scottish half english um oh sorry that was a huge faux pas no no british (laughs) british covers all of it so we're safe but um 
Yeah, and I was born in Wales, so my birth certificate is in Welsh. So oh, nice. anyway, can you read Welsh? Uh, but I pardon. Can you read or speak Welsh? No, I can say the odd word. My parents speak okay. Welsh. But, okay. Um, I, we moved when I was like one and a half. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Had to ask. Yeah. No. Fair. <laughs> um. Uh, but I live in London now, uh, and I am the author of the Pages and Co series. Although I've always had super bookish jobs, I was a school librarian, and then I was a books journalist. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, always had lots to do with books and writing and reading. Uh, so, Pages and Co is my debut series. There's six books in the series. The last book, Wondra, which has just come out here in the UK and is about to come out. I believe. I believe it's February um, with you, uh, right. which kind of wraps everything up. So, the series as a whole is about book wandering. So, that's the magic of being able to travel inside of books and stories. And the series follows Tilly and three of her friends um, as they learn more about book wandering travel into all sorts of different books from kind of fairy tales to Shakespeare to Anna Green Gables and then in the last book Myths and Legends uh, mm. which I had a lot of fun with uh, I'm a big Greek mythology nerd uh, and there's, so there's Greek mythology a little bit of Norse mythology some King Arthur myths as well uh, and the villain is I don't want to do too many spoilers the villain <laughs> who's evil alchemist has been trying to steal the world's imagination and everything comes to a head and Tilly and her friends have to kind of go way back into myth to kind of learn about where where stories originated from and why we tell them and use that to try and defeat the alchemist and mm. rescue imagination. So fun. Man, this sounds so exciting. All right, so let's, uh, let's move on to this question from uh, Timothy, which kind of dovetails into that. Uh, he's asking... Did you always want to be an author? So the honest answer is no. Uh, I always knew that I wanted to work with books and writing, but what job within that was not always something I had a clear idea about. So uh, yeah, I was a librarian to start with and I loved that uh, and thought I would do that for a forever and then I started writing I had a book blog which I have removed from the internet so that nobody can find it it's not <laughs> do you know what it's fine it's just it was me learning to write so oh, yeah. <laughs> and also you get into things like my editor is an author as well and mm. I reviewed two of his books on my book blog obviously a lifetime before then him being my editor <laughs> one of them was a glowing review one of them was a bit more middling so I've been listening to this I don't know if you ever saw it <laughs> <laughs> things like that you know just, that get, can get, a bit just awkward. get rid of that yeah. <laughs> but through that I really kind of um rediscovered I've I wrote a lot as a child for fun and mm -hmm. through the book blog I really kind of rediscovered my love of writing and that's how I moved into journalism mm. uh but then I only really sort of seriously tried to be an author when I had the idea for pages and co uh and I thought that I I thought it you know what I thought it was a good idea and I thought I owed it to myself to have a go at writing it and then it all kind of went from there so I always knew I wanted to work with words and books but not specifically an author mm. so we do have several questions related specifically to the concept of your books and one of them <laughs> is from Emily who says if you could book wander into any if you could only book wander into one book which book would you choose I mean, the, the clever answer, which I don't know, because kids have said this to me, so of course you yeah. pick pages and code because then you can go anywhere oh, yeah. there. And it's a bit of a cheat code. Yeah, yeah. But I do that's, think that's if, I was, if I was being strict, then I 
it would probably be the same as Tilly. It would probably be Out of Green Gables. It is okay. a book that means a huge amount to me. And kind of the so much of the idea of the book came from me thinking about what I would say to Anne Shirley if we could hang out. But mm. also, crucially, it's not scary. You're not going <laughs> to die in Anne of Green Gables. Like a lot of my favorite books, like I love the the Philip Pullman books. What's the first one called? It's got a different name. His Dark Materials. Yeah, so His Dark Materials. That, oh, yeah, that's yeah. what the series is called here too. Yeah, um, yeah. So I love the Philip Pullman, His Dark Materials books, but they would be scary. You know, if you could only go one place, that would be a high risk yeah. place to go. Whereas yeah. you could spend a lot of really nice time in Green Gables and Avonlea. So that's why I just got to be careful about the cordial and roof walking. It's true. Oh my goodness. I love the <laughs> I love the proper Anna Green Gables knowledge going out here. <laughs> so there's a fault there's a question here from Eli who says that you got to write as Anne Shirley in the book Wanderers. And the question is, was that fun to do? But could you kind of like what was that like for you to do that? So much fun. Writing the book Wandering Scenes is my favorite. People sometimes think it's the other way around, and that, that is the hard of it. Well, it, it's not that it's easy. It's just, I think the book wondering is so rooted in my love of reading. I find it so fun to read a book and try and work out what makes this voice, this voice. Mm. Why does this character sound so indelibly like them? What has the author done to create this feel? And how mm. can I mimic it? Like, I really enjoy like the creative challenge of, I mean, copying is is not is the word mimicking you know kind of yeah ventriloquisming another it's really fun to sort of try and work out why a voice sounds like a voice and then Mm -hmm. can you create it Mm -hmm. oh I really enjoy the challenge of that and what but that's so rooted in just my own enjoyment of those books as a reader and you know I I find it interesting thinking about why we respond to different books differently and different characters differently. And that's, you know, the librarian and the journalist in me as well, perhaps. Uh, but also it's just fun kind of taking these characters that I love. It is a little bit scary at times. I think with the yeah. beloved characters, you obviously want to feel like you're doing them justice. I try really hard to feel like the characters are acting and speaking in a way that feels true to them uh, and not my kind of core principle is I don't want my interpretation of these characters to affect how you feel about that character. Mm. I want to be able to preserve, you can go back to Anne, Alice, they are still your Anne and Alice. Nothing I have done with that character shifts Mm. how you enjoy the original book. That's my kind of foundational principle. So Graham and I have a chat over here where we kind of like communicate you know, during the conversation so we can coordinate the inside baseball here. And I had just told him, okay, go ahead and do this next one or whatever. You know, I was like, go for it. I'm not going to jump in. And then I immediately wrote, actually, let me follow up with Anna real quick. <laughs> so <laughs> this sounds like, because I really want to hear more about this. Um, and I think some of the kids would be interested as well. When you're doing this, let's say it's Anne um, uh, from Anne Green Gables, and you're trying to preserve that voice, but you're also trying to, you know, reinterpret it in a way is there a way that you practice that? Like, do you copy down scenes? Do you imagine scenes that you know are never going to be in the book or situations or something and then try to write as if you're in as a sort of form of practicing it? Or is it more like you revise it after you've written in your book and then you to, to sort of sharpen it? Do you know, the honest answer is one I'm wary to give about sounding ridiculous because those are the bits that get edited the least. Um mm. 
I write those scenes long. So I don't practice before necessarily writing the scenes, but I certainly write those scenes long and will chop out bits. I there's maybe dialogue that will happen that doesn't necessarily move the plot along that gets oh sure chopped. um yeah so i don't necessarily worry about keeping them efficient when i'm first writing those scenes but i i tend to find you know partly it's that i do pick characters that i feel like i already know yeah, so yeah. someone like Anne, it's not like i'm i don't think i'd be able to do it if I'm coming to books that I have no emotional relationship with. But Anne is a book I've read infinite times since I was a child. And it's rooted in that none of the books, do you know, and also I should add the proviso that I, uh, there's exceptions to that rule because some people like, like, oh, this is, <laughs> it gets naughty because it basically is also to do with like how a creator, uh, how a character's been created and kind of who they belong to. Anne is created by Ellen Montgomery. She's not like, but people like fairy tale characters or mythological characters aren't kind of created by one person. Oh, sure, and it's yeah. not to do with intellectual property. It's to do with kind of some sort of, I don't know, just kind of gut feeling about yeah. what's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so right. there are characters like folktale characters that I will mess with a bit more and enjoy kind of subverting kind of you know the fairy tale characters you could yeah. kind of have that's because they don't exist in a uh within those like Anne is Ella Montgomery's Anne. Yeah. Yeah. Robin Hood, there's so many different versions of him right. already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put your own version of it without it feels appropriate. Um, yeah. It's like part because, of the character. Yeah. And those like myths and fairy tales, part of what what they are is being reinterpreted and retold. That's right. Like, yeah. There are different categories of character for me um but with yeah with the the characters kind of like that they are I think all characters I have an existing emotional relationship with that is a lot of what I'm kind of working with and then I write scenes long and see where they come but I tend to find like when I'm in the flow of it I'll read what the the only prep I really do is I I just read the books a lot so I will read it just before I write and get that voice in my head that makes sense okay Uh, sorry graham now you can't you actually can go ahead (laughs) so anna you said um sorry actually sorry one other thing i I just thinking i'm trying to think of like practical useful things to also say to like young writers (laughs) because i think do you know what though i do think kind of having been a journalist is helpful for this because i am used to switching tones because i have written for all different types of like newspapers and magazines and they all have different tones and writing styles so i do think that that is a helpful background because i am used to switching voice and tone based on what I'm doing. And I think that's helpful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, Anna, before we started, you said that you were on a deadline. And so I'm (laughs) hoping this this question isn't triggering. But Emily wants to know, how long does it take you to write a book? So, I like to write my first drafts quickly. I almost can't give my, I like to think about them for a long time. I guess it depends on what you kind of class as writing a book because there's so much stuff that isn't just the typing. So I like to sit with an idea for as long as I can. It's funny with the deadlines for the new, a new series. Um, and so I've sat with kind of what I want to do for the last few pages in co and thought about it, read a lot of other books, um, around the subject that I'm kind of exploring, 
But then when it comes to actually writing the first draft, I like to do it as quickly as possible and almost not give myself um, time to overthink it on a first draft. And then I will have lunch with my editor and we will talk about what works and what doesn't work. And Hmm. then I will do a second draft that is a bit more, you know, it's like vibes first. You, You have to get the vibes right. If the vibes aren't right, I don't think you have a good book. Plot, you can work out later. So I like to just really have a vibey quick not worry too much and then come back and look at how it gets pieced together and how the characters work and work on it to make it to make it work kind of on a more technical level mm. yeah that's i mean that sounds like a healthy way to, to operate when you have all of these things happening at the same time where you're trying to solidify your ideas but also work on the technical aspects and then you've got different people involved you know from your editors and i, I like that is it Neil Gaiman who says the first draft is telling yourself the story? I might be misattributing mm. that quote, but I, whoever said that, I really believe that that's a good way to think about it. I really don't worry about a first draft having plot holes as well. The kind of core thing has to work, but yeah, the little bits, I don't, it doesn't bother me if that it hasn't all fallen into place. Fix the, the loose ends later. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. We have a couple more questions here. Um, and we got to do the Graham's got a quiz for you. We got to do that too. Here's one from Eden. Did you dress up for Halloween? And if so, who were you? Um, no, I'm afraid I didn't. Um, Halloween isn't quite as much of a thing here. Uh, And it's more rooted in like kind of traditional, like spooky stuff. Um, you don't really see people don't really dress up as just anything. People dress up as scary stuff. Um, Mm. uh, also we, where we live, we don't get trick or treaters because we live in a block of flats of apartments that it, we don't get trick-or-treaters. Um, yeah. And then also I had COVID this year. I just had COVID. So, um, oh. <laughs> so in, in previous years, I might get dressed up with my friends and we might do something fun. Um, but it's yeah. generally a bit more chill here. And also because of COVID and lack of trick-or-treaters, if I'm not going out to do something, then I mm. wouldn't. Um, but right. I love... You're not just sitting in your... You're not just sitting in your, your, your flat by yourself, just dressed up no. as like... I prefer American Halloween because (laughs) you don't have to be scared. You know, it opens the possibility. You could dress up as Anne of Green Gables. Exactly. I have dressed up as Anne of Green Gables for a con before. But um, yeah, so (laughs) I love an opportunity for a a dress up. But this year, I'm afraid I was ill. All right. This question is from uh, the Waltmans. This is from, this is a family question. Uh, They're wondering, are you a tea drinker? And do you like Beans and toast. Oh, it says. Well, if so, what is your favorite type of tea? Don't forget that. Uh, I have a cup. Of, I'm literally holding a cup of tea. Um, I made it, and then I thought, I don't know. I suddenly got very panicked that I was going to be a noisier drinker than I realized, so I haven't been drinking it. But I'll take. Well, go ahead. Let's find out. Take a sip, and we find out. Yeah, we'll find out how loud it is. ASMR. Yeah. I'll say that we didn't even hear it. That was great. Okay, great. Yeah, you can keep drinking it. Go ahead. I like again. I'm fascinated by these very British questions. Yes, I am a tea drinker, a very cliched tea drinker. I drink an obscene amount of tea, especially when on deadline, like seven plus cups a day at the moment, probably. But I, I and I like a classic English breakfast tea with milk. So like Yorkshire gold? Yeah, uh, Yorkshire uh, is my favorite type of tea. Okay. Um, not the gold, just the classic okay. Yorkshire tea. Yeah. What's the difference? Something about the water? So I think one's for harder water, one's for softer water. Oh, uh, maybe I maybe should pay attention to that because I think this London is very hard <laughs> when I was in England, the guy that I was living with said this to me, like you don't need the gold one because you don't have hard water. I don't know. I didn't understand uh, what they were talking you about. Know what? 
uh, that's probably right, but I've not, I don't know anything about that. So um, have you, have, have you, um, do you actually go to high tea? Like, is this a thing that actual English people go to right, ever? Okay. So yes, but uh, not on a regular, it's not a normal right. day to day thing. Right. Unless you're like the queen. I mean, who knows? Um, right. yeah. I mean, she's no longer with us. Obviously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a great point. Uh, so afternoon tea is what we would call it, not high tea. Right. Uh, and you would do it more for a special occasion here. So um, there's lots of kind of hotels or cafes that you would do it. So, um, you know, maybe if you're it's a special occasion uh, or wanted to just do nice stuff or people were visiting, then you might take them for a nice afternoon tea. There's quite a lot of like cool themed afternoon teas that you can go to. Um, but it's, it's not a it's not a part of day to day life, but it is it is a real thing. <laughs> So, so we it, we always we always make it back to food somehow. Yeah, so always, uh, now yeah. that we're back here again, yeah. um, oh my goodness, Eddie had, I do. I sorry, I do the what what were they called? The walk what? Not it can't be Walkmans. The, Walt, I'm the say Waltmans. Waltmans. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I also do like beans on toast. Although I'm kind of weird about beans, bean juice like beans, mm. baked beans. They come in tomato sauce. And I have to eat them like piping hot. So I have to eat them really quickly because as soon as the bean juice, the tomato sauce starts to get lukewarm, it makes me feel weird. But I do like beans. Uh, yeah, rightly so. I agree on. with this. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, along uh, with, is that part of the full, the full English breakfast thing? Is that the... You would have beans as part of an English breakfast. Although okay. I wouldn't, I would ask for them not to be have beans because I, the temperature... Because oh, they're cold. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So Eddie is wondering what your favorite comfort food is. Mm, that's a good question. Do you know, you can't go wrong with toast. I love a really high quality, you know, like a really nice loaf of bread with nice salted butter. Uh, that's definitely a comfort food. Um, so are you having that with each of your seven cups of tea when you're on deadline? Yeah, I mean, all, just, all I throughout don't the have day? to do anything else so right. yeah, right, a lot of yeah. toast a lot of biscuits uh and a lot of tea and then no i do you know what that's not fair because my husband cooks and he's wonderful and he where he does all of that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> um yeah toast is the thing that comes to mind uh as well as the sweet things we've already already discussed i do love a biscuit <laughs> so um when I was in England, like I said, my kids, when I came back, my kids were fascinated to f- discover that Indian food is extremely popular in, yeah. in, in England. They have some history to learn, I guess. But yes. um, uh, so do you have a favorite Indian dish? They wanted mm. to know. I actually do. Um, we have an amazing Indian around the corner from us. Uh Oh my goodness! I need to say though that because I feel like I'm going to get cancelled. Did you see on TikTok there was this huge like et- etymology battle because here when we talk about takeaways, we would say I'm getting a Chinese, I'm getting an Indian, um, and you would use that for any cuisine, okay. all cuisines. Okay. But there was some American people who thought we were being awful and like found it very uncomfortable because it. I don't know. I guess uh, I don't know what okay. it implies. We're talking about a, pu- a purse. I don't really know quite okay. why it sits badly, but it's just, it's yeah. across cuisines. That is how we refer to takeaway food. Um, 
Anyway, so I just feel yeah, like yeah, I yeah. need to preface this with that. Uh, that is how we just <laughs> etym- etymological quirk. Etymological? I feel like I'm not yeah, saying that. I'm right. not sure there's a lot, of te- a lot of our listeners on TikTok, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so we have a great Indian around the corner, and they do this curry called a jingahara masala, which is prawns mm. in a green curry sauce. I'm not quite sure mm. what it's made out of, but it's very... Um, like it's coriander heavy Mm. very like herby it's spicy but not really spicy and I don't know I don't really know what's in it but it's amazing and I it's not something you I've seen at lots of different Indian restaurants but it's what I always order from them nice Graham and I are huge curry lovers so that sounds delicious (laughs) as one should be all right so this (laughs) this next question is from Gianna and she's wondering I like this question she's wondering was there one of your books that was particularly difficult to write? Uh, yes. This is a uh, clear answer to me. The second book, Tilly and the Lost Fairy Tales, or it's just the Lost Fairy Tales in the US. Um, I found it really hard. I rewrote it a few times before I worked it out. I think probably just classic second book syndrome. Your first book is, you don't really know what you're doing and you're just kind of going with it. Uh, and it's, I found the second book really hard to just work out what I was doing, what I wanted to say. I also found it hard because initially the series was going to be three books and it was the middle book of a trilogy. So the first book, you know, you do all this setting up and the world building. The third book is the end, although it wasn't the end, but kind of the end of that arc. And the second book has to function as its own thing. You don't want it to just feel like a middle book that doesn't do anything. But then finding a rhythm for that, I found really difficult. Uh, And setting up the third book and the villain switched because the villain, when I again, because I wrote the first book and I hadn't really, I hadn't planned a whole series. And I just kind of realized abruptly whilst writing it that Chalk, so this is mild spoilers, Chalk, who's the villain in the first book, who works really well in the first book as a villain, he doesn't, he he didn't sustain more books because his Mm. beef is really with Tilly and her family. And you kind of want to escalate things, especially in fantasy and especially a longer series. There needs to be a peril to the whole world or the whole community or it can't just be. And he was just really, he just wanted to get their family so I needed to like work out what to do with him and how to introduce new villains and make it feel. So it just, it really took me a few goes to work, work it out. Hmm. Okay. So there's a, there's a kind of like counter question to this from Esther who wants to know what was your favorite scene to write in the series so far? My favorite scenes are always the book wandering scenes. Um, ones I've had a particularly good time with are probably the first uh, the very first book wondering scene, Alice in Wonderland. I really enjoy doing the Alice in Wonder- Wonderland book wandering scenes. Like Carol's world is so rich and weird. It's so much fun to play yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I found I really enjoyed doing the Greek mythology scenes in the last book. Uh, although the mythology is harder because there's not one universal text that you can kind of pull from so I had to do a lot more research and kind of work out my own version that I wanted them like what's the version of the myth I want them going into but it was always it's fun playing with kind of gods and goddesses and iconic characters like that yeah yeah that makes sense um okay two more questions and then request okay this question is from Molly uh she wants to know what is one 
interesting, unknown, or surprising fact about yourself? Again, yeah, it is a little answer because you suddenly are like, am I the most boring person that has She's ever British. watched the earth? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm British. <laughs> um, well, you don't like lukewarm, you don't like lukewarm uh, beans. We no, know. You're you know born in Wales. not a picky eater in terms of flavors, but I am a picky eater in terms of, I am weird about a few things texturally. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like temperature wise, I'm mm. very particular about temperature of food um i can speak a little bit of thai that's something that oh. people probably wouldn't expect because uh, I, I lived Whoa. in thailand for six months so maybe there you go that's maybe something that people wouldn't expect okay so thai curry or indian curry thai curry but Brit- british indian food is better than british thai food it's easier to find like mm. the Indian food here is better, but yeah, yeah. and I've never eaten Indian food in India, so I don't know. But Thai like, food there. in Thailand is my favorite food ever. Yeah, yeah Thai I suppose my there's favorite. not a there's probably not a lot of coconuts uh, in Britain. It's my guess. No, there's not. Um, also, you know, have you, not, Monty Python the, says there are. <laughs> we do have good. I mean, London's good for f- food generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it doesn't have the reputation of that, but it really is. You can get almost anything here. Um, not. Obviously, because of colonialism, Indian food is more prevalent here. Right, uh, right, yeah. We, one of the only countries England didn't invade uh, was, you know, we didn't invade Thailand ever. So um, that's good. Uh, yeah. but, but obviously, it yeah. just these things have an impact on, on food and yeah. culture. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, there's less Thai people here than there are Indian people. Mm. Um, okay, let's do one more. And then, like I said, the quiz. Let's do um let's do this one from Torin. Now, this is a little bit related to the idea of book wandering, but it's a little more historically based. So okay. Torin wants to know if you could travel back to any place in time, where would you travel to? And and the, and Torin says, Don't worry, you do get to come back. <laughs> that's that is but that's relevant that's very important yeah. question if you have to go live there that's right. i love this question i love history i did history at university um and i would have to say i feel like this is quite an obvious one but it would be tudor england i am fascinated by that period of time and in particular i would like to meet Anne Boleyn. She's my favorite historical figure, fascinated by her. There's so much that we don't know about her, even though she had such a huge impact on our on British history. Mm. Um, and I would be fascinated to just know what she was really thinking about a lot of different things. So it would be <laughs> yeah. uh, Anne Boleyn. I would want to go back and meet Anne Boleyn. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right, Graham, it's quiz time. He's cracking his knuckles. He's doing something that you can't. You, the, you guys, you got to describe your hand gestures when you're doing them. It's like just. To, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Graham, are you ready? Anna, are you ready? That's I think the real so. question. Yeah, that is the real <laughs> question. So, uh, Anna, on on our show, we like to present um, the guest who comes on, often author, or illustrator, with a quiz that's somewhat tangentially hanging on by a thread related to their <laughs> okay. life or work. And for the record, I don't know any of these questions either. So um, since your uh, series is the book Wanderers, um, mm-hmm. I created a 
convoluted, bloated, meandering uh, quiz about wandering. Oh, okay. Now, there are five questions in, in this quiz. They are all multiple choice. Okay. And we okay. are going to start off with what I hope is uh, what we would call a softball. What's a question <laughs> softball? What's the phrase for a softball question in England? Yeah, like an we easy use question. that phrase, okay. even though uh, it's obviously rooted in not art, but we would... Yeah, what's the cricket be, version? <laughs> yeah. Well, but probably, presumably it applies to any sport where balls are thrown. <laughs> I guess that's true. Did you just throw it I said, I'm not sure... People probably would be like, oh, I don't know sort of the particulars of what, but it makes sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, got it. Concept. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, question one. So when I hear the word wander, my mind immediately goes to the literary type of the wandering pilgrim, um, of which Gandalf the Grey from the Lord of the Rings series seems like a prime example. So this wizard has no permanent home in Middle-earth, instead electing to spend his time wandering about the mountains, valleys, and forests, providing help, wisdom, and guidance to those there. Do you know anything about Lord of the Rings, Anna? I do. You said it was multiple choice. I love the Lord of the Rings, so I'm hopeful <laughs> I might be able to get this one. <laughs> I could have gone as nerdy as possible. I wanted to keep this first one a little simple. Okay. So out of all Stop the ball. peoples who populate Middle-earth, Gandalf does seem to have a particular affection for one group. So which group would that be? Is it A, the men, B, the hobbits, C, the dwarves, or D, the orcs? <laughs> the hobbits. B, the hobbits? Yeah. All right. Excellent job. One for one. One for one. You could have gone more niche on Lord of the Rings. Uh, I was a real Lord of the Rings girl. <laughs> I thought about it. Yeah, I thought about it, but... Next time. Do you recognize the name of our shop? Oh, my goodness. I didn't make the link. Uh, that's... I enjoy that. Um, I am a real, like, Tom Bombadil section defender. I think it's amazing. Uh, and I think that people who think that it's a boring bit should go and read it again. <laughs> I agree with you, but I also am okay with them not putting it in the movie. It would have been hard to translate to film. Yeah, I think then people would have felt like it's too silly. Do you know, because I low-key... Grab's quiz just got derailed. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it, it's, it was never railed. It's fine. <laughs> have you seen Muppet Treasure... Uh, not Muppet, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol? Yeah, of course. Yes. I I low-key imagine Tom Bombadil as the ghost of Christmas present in Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol. <laughs> I'm never going to think about that, that movie the same way. Like when we watch it in a month with my children, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. So. But do you know what I mean? Though? Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> it's amazing. He's quite jolly. <laughs> that's, and he's like quite, you know, it's that mix of, he's very jolly and bountiful and kind of nature rooted, but mm. has huge power, but it's mm -hmm. like, it's there, but he's like, I'm not going to get it out. You know, I don't need to mess with stuff or like, right. you know, yeah, I yeah. Don't, if I don't need to do that, I'm not going to. I'm just going to have dinner with my beautiful wife and, you know, just chill. Rescue the occasional <laughs> hobbit. Right. I'll get involved when I need to, but I'm chill if I don't need to. Sounds like the way to be. All right, grab question two. All right. We're going one one. We're, we're to cease being chill here. We're going to get into <laughs> question They're number two. no longer two. the softball. <laughs> but we are going to stay with Tolkien, but just kind of for a second. Okay. Um, so in The Lord of the Rings, Bilbo Baggins has a poem of which the first two lines have become very famous. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. Uh -huh. 
But sometimes those who wander are lost, very lost. So in the early 1600s... Oh, I thought I was going to get another Lord of the Rings question that I was going to know the answer to. (laughs) The French Army of North America was commanded by Samuel de Champlain. (laughs) Her face. (laughs) Okay. So one morning, Samuel was out camping with a group of locals uh, in North Ontario. But he saw something curious and decided to chase this curious thing into the woods. He chased it for so long that he managed to get lost for four days and wandered around in the wilderness praying that somebody would find him until finally his companions did. And once they found him, they begged him not to do that again. (laughs) So here's the question. What did Frenchman uh, Samuel de Champlain chase into the woods? Okay, was it A, the elusive Canadian maple syrup fairy who beckons souls with her irresistible scent? Is it B, a plump yellow bird with the beak of a parrot, a red head, and blue wings? C, a $20 bill floating on the breeze for Samuel could never pass up free money? Or was it D, an Englishman who stuck out his tongue and ran away giggling? Um, I mean, I feel like it has to be the, the bird, but I hope that it's the Englishman. The age which, one do you wanna, which one do you want to lock in? I got, you know, I'm too, I'm too type A. I want to get it right. I'm going to go with the bird. You, you got it. You got it. <laughs> he saw a very strange bird and chased it for long enough to manage to get lost for more than half a week wow. uh, and and nearly die. And and as far as I know, and as far as I could research, he never found this bird. So <laughs> not sure it was worth yeah. it. It feels like maybe it didn't exist, you know? <laughs> yeah. there Maybe there was something else going on there. <laughs> All right. I'm maybe so that was sorry. the story that he told about after it really was an Englishman that he couldn't right, catch. Right, right. <laughs> this is cover. It was a bird. <laughs> All right, question, question, three. question three, and I am so sorry for this one. All right. <laughs> Along with uh, John Keats, Samuel Coleridge, and Percy Shelley, William Wordsworth was a central poet in English Romanticism, a style of poetry <laughs> from the 1780s through the 1830s where people wrote a lot of poems about flowers or whatever. Oh. <laughs> yeah, come on now. <laughs> One of Wordsworth's most famous poems, I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud, fits the bill completely, where Wordsworth recalls going on a walk, seeing a bunch of daffodils, going home, laying down on his couch, and then thinking more about those daffodils. (laughs) That's one way to describe it. I I was going to (laughs) say. It's a little painful. like a photographer. I I like... (laughs) I like words worth. This is painful. Um, okay, so but Anna, I think this poem needs a little bit of updating, and I want okay. your help. I want your help doing it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so maybe we could get some of those Gen Zers more into 17th century verse if we simply adjusted the title. So here okay. are a few options for your approval. Which okay. one are you going with? Uh, a. I wandered lonely as a TikTok influencer when the camera is off. <laughs> uh, B, I wandered lonely as an abandoned Starbucks cup. (laughs) C, I wandered lonely as Tom Hiddleston as Loki while battling internal conflicts within his soul. (laughs) 
Or D, I wandered lonely as a professional video gamer when the internet is down. Can I pick one and change it slightly? Oh, please. Yes. (laughs) Ideally. (laughs) Because I I very much like C as an option, but I want it to be, I wandered lonely as Tom Hiddleston after Taylor Swift made him wear that I heart TS t-shirt in the ocean and then dumped him shortly afterwards. What do you think, David? Yeah, I mean, that, that, yes, I am. I, that's that is correct. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, that that's, means you are three for three. Good work on that one. And I thank apologize. You. I like that one because I couldn't lose. <laughs> well, well, I, I apologize. Well, no, you could have. Oh, we, really? There was yeah. a wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, we're very judgmental about these answers. So. <laughs> it would have just been like in the moment how we felt about your response. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I apologized before that question, and now I'm going to apologize after it. So sorry about that one. Uh, question <laughs> four. My favorite one so far. <laughs> <laughs> she got to riff on Taylor Swift yeah. and Tom Hiddleston. Uh, <laughs> question four. The exceptionally large seabird of the Southern Ocean, it's a lot of sibilance there, uh, the wandering albatross is probably the most accomplished wanderer of any species with routine voyages of hundreds of kilometers per day. So here are four albatross facts for your consideration, although one is a lie. So can you spot the spurious answer? Okay. A. Fact number one. Fact number A. Wandering (laughs) albatrosses mate for life. B. They have the largest wingspan of any bird in the world, with the largest on record being 3.6 meters across, or 12 feet. C. It is not uncommon for the wandering albatross to live up to 60 years. Or D. They would love to stop wandering someday and settle down, but the interest rates in Antarctica are still much too high for a res- responsible mortgage. Yeah, should we talk about the, the world economy or like a housing crisis that we're having right now? Like maybe we should talk about that for a while. Uh, I, we, I, um, it, that is triggering because we are in the middle of trying to buy a flat at the moment in no, London. Yeah. And it is, it's a question about whether that or the deadline is going to get me first. <laughs> <laughs> um, never grow up, kids. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just wander into one of her books and stay there. Yeah, um, albatrosses. Okay, mm. um, the latter sounds very relatable. Mm-hmm. I think the one who settled down. B, because you had like that really specific fact in there, which you're either like, or maybe I'm overthinking it, and like you, or you've done a lot of questions. You know, you've done a lot of quizzing, and you've thrown that in there, and actually, it's the real widest w- wingspan. It's just not an albatross, you know. Um, I'm going to go with A being the the lie. I don't think albatrosses mate for life. I think you might want to reconsider this one. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's B. Read it read one more time. What was C? I, was that the 60 years? They yeah, 60 they live years? up to 60 years. And oh, then D was... No, they can't live up to 60 years, can they? Well, what what was D? I don't remember what D, oh D was the one about the how they want to settle they want to settle down no, and they can't because of the interest I don't rates. Think they live, no, I don't think they live till six years. You know what? I don't think they live till six years. I think they're all lies. I don't think any of these is true. I think you made them all. <laughs> I don't think any of it's real. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you probably, think it's even a real bird? That's the meta question here. Uh, I mean, an albatross is a real bird. I do feel confident though. Like. <laughs> I I reject the premise of the question. There okay. you go. <laughs> what do you think of that, David? Um, I 
I don't know. I like. We've the never had somebody <laughs> reject a question wholesale, and I think for the you know for the boldness of that, yeah, I accepted. Right but I feel like D can't be right because you're talking about interest rates. That can't be right. You can't be an expert. You know what I feel like over the course, I've like lost track of whether I'm yeah, supposed I'm to really... be what's real or what's not real. <laughs> how many facts <laughs> there are and how many lies there are. <laughs> we we hear that a lot on this podcast that people lose their grip of reality. So yeah. 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 I also can't believe I wasted like rejecting a question on albatrosses of all things. Like I feel like I'm gonna have wished I'd waited for the fifth question for that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah so... that is you only get to do that once. Yeah, okay. so we've we've thoroughly confused you. But the last option was about the albatrosses um, wanting to settle down, but the houses in Antarctica are too expensive. Uh, so that is the incorrect answer. But you get it right. You've re- I, I, I feel like I know, but we're we're I setting like immediately a, forgot that question, didn't I? Like I immediately yeah. got it the wrong way around. <laughs> I think I started making a joke, then distracted you. <laughs> That's kind. I'm gonna seize on that kind and incorrect theory. But we are. Um, we are setting a dangerous precedent, David, with letting guests reject whole questions, but I'm here for it. I'm interested <laughs> to see where this goes. Well, we only let the English do it. So <laughs> There you go. All right. Final question. Okay. In the fall of 1992, a farmer in the small village of Hoxney in Suffolk in England was wandering around his field looking for something that he has misplaced, not being able to find it with his eyes. He borrowed a friend's metal detector, as one does in rural England, and instead of finding the object he was searching for, ended up discovering one of the largest treasure hoards in British history. I'm assuming this happens occasionally. Uh, More than (laughs) 15,000 Roman bronze, gold, and silver coins, and hundreds of gold and silver spoons and pieces of jewelry and statues were unearthed. The farmer and his friend who loaned him the detector split the money from the hoard, each earning $3 million. So here's the question. What was the farmer originally wandering in his field looking for? Was it a, his lost Wait, do you hammer. know this story already? Um, uh, I feel, I don't know what he was looking for, but I feel like I know about, I remember this happening. Okay, okay. all right. All right. Yeah. Was he looking for A, his lost hammer, B, his lost pull tab collection, <laughs> uh, C, his lost 1983 Ford Escort, or D, his lost love? What was the second one that you said? Pull tab collection. Oh, like how you open a can of Coke? Yeah. Do you know what? I don't even know what I'd call that. I'd never. Anyway. I didn't know what it was either. I'm glad you. I can just tell you it's not correct. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a confusing answer. No, I um um I also you threw me at the start because you said the fall of 1992, and obviously we call it autumn. Oh. And I was like the fall of night. I was thinking like the fall of like the Berlin the Wall. Berlin like, what? what happened? And then you're yeah, like, well, like, did we have the, some crisis in 1992 <laughs> that I was just too young to like? I just like that bypassed it's, me. It's the year like, Hoxney the- fell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, hammer pull tabs. It's also because I, I did have an. The thing is, in an, in my accent, it's pull. You know, like pull tabs, and if like pull tabs, I was like. Paul, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I feel like it has to be pra- like practically speaking. Surely it has to be the hammer, you know. <laughs> Both in terms of 
it's something a metal detector would find, something could be lost. And also I imagine if you're plowing fields, actually having like a stray hammer would be a nightmare because if you it would like break your mm. bullet, if you're plowing a field and you've got a hammer in the combine harvester, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I think it probably, I think it feels a very boring answer, but I think it's Sometimes a- the boring answer reflects reality. So yes, yeah. he lost his hammer, but ended up finding a hoard and walked away with $3 million. Was that, I feel like there was some drama about them working out how they were going to split it. I, oh. I feel like, um, but maybe I'm just imagining. Uh, there probably was when you, when you're talking about that much money. Yeah. How do yeah. you divide, how do you divide that? I think the, the, the loner of the metal detector struck a good bargain there to get half of that. Yeah. Probably so. <laughs> For the record, so. in 1992, Queen Elizabeth II had her Ruby Jubilee, and also the Winter Olympics were in France. So, two interesting uh, facts about 1992 between those two uh, rival countries. <laughs> All right, David. As far as I can tell from my calculation, <laughs> my basic arithmetic, uh, Anna James went five for five, and that is a glowing and passing grade. But we should well probably done. still send it into our authorities. Well, it takes six weeks to get yeah, okay, yeah, to get confirmed. the proper score, get you your certificate, and all that stuff. Yeah, Scantron. Do you have Scantrons <laughs> there? No. It's the thing that you do. You have do you have tests that would where you have to circle in the little circles? Oh, uh, yeah, we have like, like standardized. We have multiple choice tests, but we don't have the fancy ones that you. I now know what you're talking about from having seen. American films. I oh, yeah, yeah. believe we have okay. like automated. I don't. Do you know what though? I don't know. I don't think we do. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not you know in any way a huge major problem in American education system or anything. So it's probably best if you don't have them. So. I cannot. I feel like I feel like from your tone, you're saying things, but I'm. I don't know a lot about I'm, the American education system. <laughs> am I being sarcastic? No. Um, okay, so we got to let you go. We've taken enough of your time. But before we do, we would love to for you to answer the final question that we ask every author. Um, as you know, many of the kids who are listening are big readers and they're, and many of them are, want to be writers. Would you have any advice for the, the kids who are listening who want to do what you do one day? Um, I would say two things, um, which are kind of linked. Firstly is to remember that when you read a book, it is not, as we've discussed, it is not straight out of an author's head. It has, we've spent months working on it with people's help. And you should never feel dispirited if you feel like this amazing, exciting idea in your imagination isn't quite coming out onto paper or onto a screen how you'd hoped it would, because that is part of the process. And that is how it works for us as well. So please never be dispirited if you can't get it perfect, well, there's no such thing as perfect when it comes to really anything, especially writing, but please don't ever feel dispirited if it takes you a little bit to work out how you want to tell your story. And then kind of linked to that is, I really believe that if you write something that you would love to read, then you can't go too far wrong. Hmm. Those are good. I don't think anybody has answered that question in 55 episodes or 56 or whatever it is. We've never gotten that particular answer. So that was Oh, great. I'm glad because... Well, I mean, because I mean, the, the other thing is obviously read, read. Yeah, we get <laughs> that a lot. I figured yeah. you'd have that one before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the right, it's the right answer. It is. We yeah, have heard that is. before. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, Anna James, thank you so much for joining us on Withy Wendell and uh, bearing the slings and arrows of Graham's outrageous quizzes and so forth and uh, just hanging out with us and uh, participating in all the nonsense. Uh, thank you. I have had so much fun. Thank you. Well, that was our conversation with Anna James. Thank you so much to Anna for coming on and for being a good sport, for participating in all the nonsense here on Withy Wendell. Be sure to check out her books if you haven't already. They're available uh, wherever you buy books, including at bookstores like ours or on bookshop.org. All right, Graham, that brings us to the final segment. Quiz time. Quiz, quiz time? You mean riddle time? Riddle time. <laughs> riddle, riddle time. Riddle. Riddle time. Riddleton? Yeah. It's like a city in rural England. Northumbria. That's probably where Anna Anna was born. She was was born in Riddleton. Okay, so last week's riddle was a fellow, um, a a medieval fellow named Cormac Boylan or Boylan McCormack or something like that. Doesn't really matter what his name was, but he got sick. uh, Stomach ache, much like I had, but not from eating blue sharks. He or was it? He ate too much uh, meat on a stick at the uh, Donnybrook Fair. And ultimately, what's the difference? And he went, he went, well, both are delicious. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, he went to the um, ye old doctor. Uh, the doctor gave him a special pill that would take away his stomach ache. Yep. And said, uh, he actually gave him three pills um, and said, take one every half an hour. Okay. And so, the question was, how much time... Has passed. How will it pass? Um, when his stomach feels better. When his stomach feels better. Um, and at a glance, or when you're just hearing this, uh, it sounds like it should take an hour and a half. No, 90 right? minutes, right? 90 minutes, because three is supposed to take three every 30 minutes, blah, blah, yeah, yeah. But the answer is one hour. Um, oh, because you take the first one. You take the first one immediately. Minutes, take the second one, wait 30 minutes. That Is that what it is? That's what it is. Got it, okay. Yeah. One so hour. it's deceptively simple riddle this. How did the kids do? They did great. I mean, a lot of people said 90 minutes, of, but not, I mean, not a lot of people, but some people said 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's the logical answer. It's, it's like, deceptive. of course, but this is a deceptive one. It's 60 minutes. Okay. All right. All right. This week. Yes. This is a good riddle. This okay. is a fun one this uh, week. Okay. okay. All right. So there's two brothers. Okay. Um, Carm... Carmichael and uh, Ch- Chasman. Carmichael and Chasman. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. If Carmichael. there's any Carmichael or Chasmans listening, please get in touch. Podcast uh, at goldberrybooks.com. <laughs> Carmichael and Chasman, um, their father, uh, their father's rich, but he's getting older. Like his name's Richard? Yeah. He's, he's his rich. name is Rich. Yeah. His name's Rich um, and he is rich. And he rich is getting in touch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... Uh, uh, he's getting older. Do you think they and, named him after his riches? Maybe so. Was he a rich baby initially, right away? That boy looks like he should be rich. Uh, should man, I, I'm all confused already. Uh, anyway, anyway, sorry. I'm just going to call him Richard now. Okay, all Okay, right. so Richard uh, has a lot of money. Okay. And it is because <laughs> he owns a gold panning stream. Okay. 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 So he has land and it has this stream that has, I guess, produced a lot of gold. Okay. And has been, you know, a source of income for their family for a long time. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Laid a claim. So he's getting older and, you know, he has to decide who he's going to leave this uh, land and this stream to. Okay. You know, once he's gone. Okay. So he said that the two sons could... uh, 
that, that there was a way to figure this out. Okay. Um, and he came up with a little plan. Okay. He said that the two sons could make one. Okay, so only one trip to the stream to pan for gold. Okay. They could stay there as long as they wanted. Okay. And whoever carried the gold back to him got it. Okay. They get the gold that they pan for, and they also get the land in the stream. Okay. Okay. So So whoever carries it back gets it. Okay. So Chaz, Ben, and Carmichael are... Yeah, they're excited about this. So on their way to the stream, the two sons... Uh, I mean, the stream, the land is big. The stream is far away. Okay. You know, it's kind of a multi-day trip to get there. Okay. So on their way there, they lost a big fraction of their supplies, um, which had to reduce their stay. Um, and now all they had were was some food, a mule, and some panning supplies. Why did they lose their stuff? It's just long. They're not. They're not used to this kind of life. You know. They're like because okay. they're because they rich. didn't secure things they very grew well. Up rich, so they didn't have to do stuff yeah. themselves. Got it. Okay. So they had some food, a mule, and some panning supplies. Okay. So during their stay out out by the stream, they managed they're competing with each other. Well, no, no. They're they're helping each other find the most gold, but whoever can carry it back. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So during their stay, they managed to pan and smelt, which is like meltdown, right? Yeah. A gold bar, 12 inch by 12 inch bar. That's huge. Like a yeah, it's like yeah. a uh, not even a bar. It's like a cube. Okay, so gold's really heavy. That sounds very difficult. Sounds very difficult. Okay. That's why it's the challenge. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's a big challenge, and and they and they traveled a long way too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you could travel 20 feet, and that sounds like it would be difficult. They got home. Okay. And they had a fight about who should get this gold. Okay. Their father was the wise one, and he knew exactly who should get the gold. Okay. So let me guess. The riddle is who gets the gold. The riddle is who gets the gold. Okay. This sounds like a tricky one. Is this a tricky one? It's it's kind I think it's fun. Okay. It's okay. tricky. You might have to listen to it a few times. Okay. Um, or you might just be scratching your head and saying, what in the world was that? I don't, I, what? Which that's what I do to most riddles that I hear. So I'm what? with you. What? Okay. okay. What? Okay. All right. That's a good one. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that one and, and try to figure out my, for myself. Cause I, cause I want to know, or, or maybe I'll just take all your, your sharks away until you tell me what the answer is. But that's not, that's, that's, like Molly Molly coddling myself if I do that. All right, Graham, if kids think they know the answer to this riddle, how should they get in touch? They will email us at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. Wonderful. Podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. Graham, thanks for bringing another riddle. You're welcome. Thanks for uh, being here for another episode of With the Windle. I knew there'd be snacks, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> and uh, I'll just close this one up while you eat, stuff your face with, uh, with more blue Okay, shorts. well, don't forget to tell the kids that uh, they can go to withywindle.substack.com or click that link in our show notes. And if they have crazy words or lazy words or just want to tell us something about the episode or whatever. Give us some feedback on gummy candies. They can just leave comments all over that. That's right. Withywindle.substack.com. And of course, don't forget to head over to readaloudrevival.com to learn more about their Christmas school that's going on uh, throughout Advent. And thanks to them for sponsoring this season. And last but not least, thanks to Anna James for being our special guest this episode. All right, Graham, that brings us to the end. So for for, for him, for, for Graham Pittman, for the Riddle Master, 
I'm David Kern. Until next time, happy reading. Goodbye. Goodbye.